Well, hello, and thank you for joining us for another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. Today's audio comes from our Mission Live broadcast, which you can watch on YouTube or on Facebook live every Monday from 9 to 10. Um, Or you can just continue to listen and check out the audio that we've stripped off just for you here on the Mission Podcast. All right, so we invite you to listen. We are live. Thank you for joining me on our second, second Mission Live. This is so cool, and uh, I am so glad to be sitting here with you on this Martin Luther King Day on Monday. That means that some of you are probably staying home and just kind of enjoying the day, have a cup of coffee, sit down. We'll suck, we'll suck down some coffee today. I've got my, I've got my tailholt coffee cup from... Uh, Tim Holt Coffee in Rogue River, Oregon, uh, where I happen to live. Mm. And get my caffeine. Hey, today is the... um Today we are going to cover a few things. Our show today will cover the news, talk of the town, what's happening up and down the I-5 corridor regarding homelessness. Um, We are going to do a ministry spotlight for the Pregnancy Care Center here in Grants Pass, Oregon. We have got um, John Sled in the studio with us this morning. He is going to be talking about kind of, well, we're just going to talk. And uh, he's one of our board members and uh, a volunteer here and a uh, theater producer and all kinds of different things. Uh, we'll see where the conversation goes. And then also we have got our, uh, oh boy, we're going to flip the script today. And I'm getting interviewed by uh, my good friend, Janet Capetti. She'll be talking about uh, her Take 5 program with us and uh, talk a little bit about what that is and and how it's helped the the mission. And um, it's just going to be fun. It's going to be a fun program. Um, Then we'll do our book review and some closing thoughts. So that's where we're going today. Uh, So let's start with Talk of the Town. of the town today or as we're moving maybe the are we moving the camera a little bit to to put the I'm, I'm somewhere here I'm somewhere here it's got to be top secret okay um, today our talk of the town comes from the news out of Eugene KVAL um, the uh, the lovely Angelina Dickens Dixon uh, from from KVAL her headline on January 10th Um, I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll do some commentary. So this is out of Eugene. It says, after a severe winter weather, the city of Eugene says the temporary homeless camp on the 13th on 13th and Chambers will be relocated. Campers will be moved to an indoor building at the Dawn to Dawn site on Highway 99 in North Eugene. Monday, they visited the sites and talked to the city about their unhoused response and what the reason is for the move. The city said, after recent storms, people simply can't live at the 13th and Chambers uh, homeless camp because of the standing water and mud. Hmm, imagine that. Standing water and mud in Oregon, in Eugene, Oregon. When you're camping. Hmm. Anyways, so the city is working with uh, homeless individuals to relocate their tents to a drier area 
on Highway 99. The city says that the hoop building will be heated and campers will have access to food and showers and laundry. Each occupant will be provided with new sleeping bags and tents. Provided by your tax dollars, by the way. Uh, and they'll, each tent will have standing room. Oh, boy. Um, a camp at 13th and Chambers is closed as of the 18th of this month, which I think is tomorrow. And uh, the, city, the city of Eugene has said that recipients have options and, helping to, and help from moving. We asked the city, why now? These things don't happen overnight, explains City of Eugene spokesman Kelly McGeever. This was something we were able to come up with with St. Vincent de Paul. Hmm. Pause for a second. A Christian organization helped the city? I'm amazed that you even counted it. Okay, anyways, it's not, it's not an opportunity that's always there because of how the building has been used in the past, but also the availability of the partnership between the city and St. Vincent de Paul. We also got an update on the upcoming safe sleep sites of Monday evening. Uh, sorry about this. Uh, reading a teleprompter is kind of challenging. Uh, McKeever says that the safe sleep site at 410 Garfield Street is it is in its final stages of preparation and will be ready to receive occupants in the next several weeks. At the start of January 18th, the homeless camp on 13th and Chambers will be closed to everyone. So here's my question. Um, you know, the city is able to move the homeless from one location to another. And here's my question. How? How are you moving them from one location to another? Is it potentially by force? Hmm. Wow. Now, the city has so many rules. You, you know, I mean, you can't live in the mud. That's an awful lot of rules. Um, I'm thinking you're sounding more and like, more like a gospel rescue mission all the time. The city is able to prevent them from returning to a location. How? How are they going to? How are you going to prevent them from returning the, to the location? Maybe by force. Hmm. Okay. So, which means that you may be bringing in the police. You may be bringing in law enforcement to stop this. What happens if they refuse? What happens if they continue to come back to the spot in the mud that they really want? Could it result in jail, do you think? I'm thinking that maybe it could. Um, so the city is recognizing, here's the thing that's, that's interesting. The city is recognizing its help coming from a Christian organization now, I have recently been in city council meetings, um, and not just here in Grants Pass, but I've watched city council meetings in Medford um, and Eugene, and you're watching these things, and they act as if the Christian uh, offering, Gospel Rescue Missions, isn't, isn't even available. In fact, if you remember last week, uh, last week, the, the Medford News was saying that there was only one small 17-bed location available in Grants Pass um, and completely ignored the 138-bed facility that I am sitting in currently as we speak. 138-bed um, facility that is at lower than half its capacity, um, as is the Eugene Mission, last time I checked, by the way. Um, so the city is recognizing... Help coming from a Christian organization. Good job, city, okay? Good job, St. Vincent de Paul. Um, 
But let's just consider one thing, and this is the thing I want you to consider. Why not take one simple step further, okay? You can force them to move from one location to another. Why not force them to move from one location, from camping, from urban camping, into the Eugene Gospel Rescue Mission? How about that? What if we just give that a try? And you, you got like a couple of really good, you got a, a jail, which might be on the table, it seems like. You've got, well, you've got freeway exits all over the place. They can go to a different town, I suppose, or move them into the gospel rescue mission where they actually work on getting people to not be homeless anymore. Isn't that a better idea? Isn't it a better idea that we don't fight for them to be able to sleep in the mud and call that dignity? Here you go. Here's your nice new tent and sleeping bag. How about we bring them into a gospel rescue mission where they get three hot meals a day, a bed, showers, counseling, lots of people around them to help them get to the place in their life where they no longer need a tent where they no longer need to sleep in the mud, where they no longer need to consider that kind of a lifestyle. I just got to think there's a better way to do this, gang, don't you think? Um, and by the way, the Gospel Rescue Mission in Eugene has a fantastic facility. It's a great place. I would suggest Gospel Rescue Missions are already doing the right thing, have been doing the right thing for a long time. Yeah, but they're Christian, Okay, well, yeah, so is St. Vincent de Paul, by the way, which uh, is offering their location. Um, yeah, but uh, they actually believe Christian-y things. Oh, I think St. Vincent de Paul does too. Um, but also, so what? Are you telling me that there's some moral compass somewhere out there that, that would suggest that it's immoral to teach people about morality and teach people about, you know, living like Jesus? I don't know, man. It just seems like there's a whole lot of confusion going on and a whole lot of really kind of um, silly arguments that just don't make a whole lot of sense. Anyways, good job, City of Eugene. Good job for moving from one location to the next. Good job and good luck to you. Send them to the Gospel Rescue Mission. Hey, coming up next, our ministry spotlight, and then we'll be right back with John Sled. I'm Sydney Wilder, I'm the Pathway Coordinator at the Pregnancy Care Center here in Grants Pass. Uh, we provide everything from pregnancy tasks to ultrasounds to uh, 22 weeks of parenting classes and we have a baby boutique where our parents are able to get the supplies that they need for their little ones. You know, as, as a believer we um, feel grateful that we have the opportunity to help uh, the Creator with His creations and it doesn't matter the situation of how these babies have come into the world, we want to embrace them and, and be able to supply and encourage the parents. Um, it's sometimes a difficult situation for them, but we want them to know that they are loved and accepted in a non-judgmental way. Um, for us at the Pregnancy Care Center, we feel like uh, God does most of the heavy lifting. He's the changing in the hearts in the community because by the time someone's got the courage to walk through our door, um, they've already had a lot of changes in their life. We just want to greet them and love on them unconditionally and hopefully be able to help and support them through their pregnancies, their um, deliveries, and be able to encourage them as new parents. 
Christ calls us to serve those in need, and the need in the Rogue Valley is urgent. We invite you to partner with the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission in our commitment to serve our community, whether it is working in the kitchen, teaching our residents, or even tending our garden. Your unique talents and gifts as a volunteer are key to effectively caring for our homeless population. Explore the many ways you can serve at grantspassmission.org. All right, and we are back today, this morning. I am with John Sled. John is one of our board members, uh, has been serving on the board for a little over six months now, something, somewhere around there. I'm new. You're new. You're the new guy. Um, and um, so let's just go right into some questions, John. What motivated you to become a board member of the Gospel Rescue Mission? I'm recently retired from teaching and pastoring, so I, 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 on the one hand, I'm available. I know people involved in the rescue mission. I've met with you before years ago yep. when I was in ministry. Uh, we would visit the old gospel rescue mission, right. and I would come there and preach chapel or bring other men who I was discipling to preach. So they were, they were get, getting their legs under them as preachers. Yeah. So I was familiar with the ministry, and... Um, it's, it's a worthy cause, and I just felt like in my retirement now, I can turn my attention to something else. There's also this, this personal element. I, I personally lack compassion. Sometimes as I drive around and I, and I address the homeless problem, I'm kind of uh, maybe a little on the intolerant side, like these people need to get a life, they need to get a job. You know, Some of the signs will say, just need a cold beer. Right. Like, I'm not going to pass out money to that. So the, the issue is before us. And so I figured that not only am I available, I, I believe that the gospel transforms lives. So any solution to the homeless problem needs to have the person and works of Christ and the Word of God involved. Yeah. And frankly, I, I want to become more familiar with works of compassion so that I become a more compassionate person. I'd, I'd rather be informed and feeling and effective yeah. in the ministry of helping people change their lives. I love it, man. I, I love it. You know, um, I've been doing this for a little over 12 years now, and oddly enough, I find myself still sometimes, you know, with that compassion bone just not moving, flexing the way it ought to, whatever it is. Compassion bone. I don't know. Compassion bones don't flex. Um, but I, I guess, um, you know, I, I find myself sometimes frustrated when I see when I see somebody who wants a handout and when you offer them something so much better that they they just refuse to, they're not interested in it and um, you and I were talking last week um, and you had mentioned that quote from CS Lewis uh, can you talk about that a little bit I frankly forget which book it's from, but yeah. it's uh, comparing the the biblical worldview yeah. to a godless worldview where yeah. man is in charge. And so C.S. Lewis spins this metaphor of it's like making mud pies in a slum <clears throat> when you could be having a holiday at the beach. Right. And so for the English, you know, you, you can just imagine uh, you know, the squalor of the, you know, I mean, we were just talking about the, the Eugene homeless camp in the mud. Right. As if that's satisfactory. So Lewis is not condemning making mud pies. Right. And if you live in a slum, that's the best you can do. In fact, be creative. Yeah. And yet, 
yet the reality is in Christ, what we, what we have in the biblical view of the family and in marriage and in personal dignity and, and in work, etc., it's so much more glorious than settling for mud pies. So as we lift ourselves with the help of Christ, the Spirit, and the church, out of a condition of dependency yeah. into being inclusion and functionality in a, in, a, in a family and in a culture, it's just wonderful. It's like a holiday with friends having good times, not the squalor of uh, dependency. Yeah, it's like, it's like we're just, and I think Lewis's point was just kind of like, it's not that we don't seek satisfaction. It's that we're just too easily satisfied with things that are shallow and 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 not truly satisfying. So, so um, yeah, it's the it's the guy or gal sitting in front of the post office, with, you know, with the with the sign out there, and and even though. Many cities, our our city is one of them, has who has created. Um, Laws and rules, kind of saying, "Hey, you can't, you can't give money to a panhandler. You know, you can't, you can't give money to somebody who's who's um, out there asking for money." And yet, there they are. There, there they are. And and you're stuck in that moment where it's like, "Okay, well, what do I do?" Um, because I feel bad for their condition. Because I know that were it not for this warm jacket I'm wearing or whatever, that I'd be cold. You know, and my hands are cold, and I see them out there shivering and miserable. And so you think, I, I got to do a something. And the, the temptation is to just want to hand them a, hand them a couple bucks or, or, or whatever. And, and I've just kind of gone, I, I've kind of had to train myself to go, you know what, here's what I'm going to do on your behalf. I'm going to donate to the Gospel Rescue Mission and... What I'm going to do is I'm going to pay for food for you there for a month. Um, in fact, I'll pay for food for you and a friend there for a month. All you got to do is go there. You go there and show up, and and here's what you're going to get while you're there. You're going to get you're going to get all the food you can eat. Frankly, nobody nobody loses weight checking into a gospel rescue mission. Okay, the the food is fantastic, and then. Second is uh, you'll get your laundry done twice a week. You'll have a bed to sleep on. You will you will have routine in your life. You'll have showers there that you can use every day. Um, and most of all, you're going to be surrounded by people who care about you, and you will begin to develop relationship. And I've, I'm convinced that one of the things that's consistent in the homeless people that I've come across in my tenure here at the mission is, is that, uh, that somebody, by the time they're homeless, has really lost that relationality. You know, they've, they've lost that, um, that, that value of relationship and what it means to value other people's thoughts and how I affect them and how they affect me and impact me. Um, and, and I don't know, you know, when we were talking last about kind of just what that means to have family around and, and to, to have our families around the table, I don't know, maybe talk a little bit more about that. Because when, when I try to embrace the concept of homelessness, is it, is it a problem and, and how can we fix it? 
One way for me to process it is, well, let's look at home fullness. If, if, you know, if you lack a house, you basically, homelessness is really a relational problem. You've, you've, you've got broken relationships and you find yourself more and more isolated to where you're now living in a tent rather than being in a home with other people. So it's, it's, sometimes it's good to look at in the same way that Lewis's analogy, uh, you know, mud pies in the slums versus a holiday at the, at the beach, let's look at the holiday at the beach concept. Yeah. So yeah. what is the home? And maybe I'll be a little bit idealistic because w- this is a broken world. We, we know this. And, you know, Romans talks about that it's been subjected to futility. So we're going to be frustrated. It's never going to be perfect. There are no utopias. There are more dystopias than utopias. But it's fair game to look at what God has designed for the family and I do experience some of this. When I, I have five kids, 10 grandkids, and sometimes when we gather together, yeah. the lights are on, the electricity is working, the food smells great. There's a certain warmth and acceptance of all members. I have a special needs grandkid, Down syndrome, and the fact that we just love him for what he can do, we're not judging what he can't do, right. that's there. We have different personalities among us, and so we, we make accommodations for each other's gifts and weaknesses. Yeah. If somebody's not feeling well, we try to understand that. So there's just something about it when you sit down together, and let's say it's a Thanksgiving meal where the yeah. food is really good, yeah. and people have you know, sacrificed to make uh, pre- their presence at this occasion. There's something about that. You might turn on favorite music. Yeah. You might sing together. And then in my family... My wife and I are, are, are music students, so we taught our kids to sing. So when we sing, we can sing four-part harmony. Wow. And so even that element, it's like this richness of the arts can come in. You can talk about the movies that you've seen. And when it gets right down to, okay, well, if there's work to be done in the house, like maybe the cleanup after this meal or the preparation of the meal or maybe some games afterwards, it activates the gifts of the members. Some people are better at doing things than others. Yeah. And that, that's all kind of understood. We, we live together, we're connected, and a community can be like that as well. So yeah. if we look at the holiday and the beach example of this is just wonderful and it's rich, people are connected and accepted. Yeah. So sometimes extended families, neighborhoods, communities sometimes get a little piece of that cohesion it's true. so that they, their parks are developed so that people can come and safely play and engage and have competitive sports. And so that's the ideal. And then, so what about the people that are not included in that society? What if somebody brought a guest into my home right. or a guest into my community? And what if that, some, that, that someone had some significant disabilities or dysfunctions? What would we do? So it's this kind of mindset. How do you bring people who are broken into wholeness? Yeah. How do you... Take people who seem to be satisfied making mud pies in the slum. How do you invite them into your holiday at the beach? And I really do think the Gospel Rescue Mission is designed. You, got, you have years of experience under the belt of trying to point to the concept of inclusion and, and health right. and the dignity of work and your contribution rather than it's not, it's not satisfactory for you to just be a sponge on society, to do your own thing, to settle for the mud, right? Uh, perhaps remain in your addictions and the, the kind of behaviors that got you to this isolated condition to begin with, right. that's not good for you. And so I, I love the idea that the rescue mission is truly trying to rescue them into wholeness. Yes. 
and the holiday at the beach. So, so that's, that's how that, that analogy works for me, that we, we, we oftentimes we, we look at the problem <clears throat> and then we, we hope that someone else will fix the problem. Right. And we often look at an institutional or governmental model because yeah. our ta- we pay our taxes, let's let the government take care of that. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't often look at the family model yeah. for how we fix problems. Yeah, we've been doing it for thousands of years. Right. <laughs> and so when, if the discussion went to, so what about the people who resist all your loving, compassionate attempts to help them? Well, the family, so what do you do with, with a child? <laughs> right. I mean, look at young children who are disobedient, yep. and you, know, you find ways to try to move them toward, yes, you do need to do your chores. Yes, you yep. do need to do your homework. Yes, you do need to stop eating that or taking that or smoking that, etc. Yep. And you do so from a position of love and care. It's not like, get the heck out of my house. Right. You, don't, you don't do that to a, shouldn't do that with a child. Yeah. And if you ever get to the point where you have to, to kick someone out, it's after years of tears and compassionate intervention. So yeah. I, I would just I would tend to think that the, the Gospel Rescue Mission represents a faith-based family model of intervention rather than kind of the what would be the sterile model of a bureaucracy trying to take someone else's money and throw it out a problem and let's just see what happens. Oh, that's not working. Well, let's try to throw some other money which is really a form of enablement, and it doesn't fix the problem or, or hasn't yet. Well, I think that the, the tendency to throw material goods, <clears throat> we just kind of live in a materialist society, a, a society that's been, I mean, I know it was certainly taught when I was in school, you know, just kind of a, a, a materialist universe, you know, a, a Darwinistic materialist universe where, um, where you know, the, the problems really, if, if somebody's poor, well, the problem is just that they have a lack of materials, you know, that, that, um, that, that they will innately all want, that mankind somehow will innately all want to do the same things, which is naive. And, and, then, uh, and then, so what, what do we do? Well, I don't know, but let's throw things at them. Let's, and right now it's, it's tents and sleeping bags. And, and hmm. at its grandest that the government does is it's four walls. You know, so if, if, we put them, if we put them in a box somewhere, then somehow the magic happens inside the box, right? That from there, they're going to really want to stop uh, drinking or drugging or whatever it is that they're doing. You know, that they're going to want to stop. But all you've really done is... You've cre- we had a guy named B.F. Skinner who created a box that was a, 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 a way of isolating rats and then, and then giving them two options. Here's your water laced with cocaine, and here's your water without any. And, and well, eventually you leave a rat in a box by himself, isolated. He'll drink himself. He'll, he'll, he'll drug addict himself into to death. And, um, and so, again, I don't think that the box fixes anything, you know. I mean, jails are not rehabilitative, generally speaking. And and so we have to do something more. We have to we have to um, interject that relationality component. We have to and and sometimes we have to do it with yes coercion. We have to do things, we have to leverage things, you know, of importance in one another's life. So if my teenager is is not um, behaving in accordance with the rules of the family, uh, with the values of the families, then I begin to leverage things. So I begin to mm-hmm. go, okay, well, let's take away things that are that I can see you already value 
um, such as a cell phone or an Xbox or whatever. And I can say, I can remove those from your life in order to coerce you into, into making the right choices. And, and hopefully we can, we'll get you making the right choices on your own and not by coercion. But, and, and really what you want to do is help them see the value of once they're making that right decision and go, oh, doesn't that feel much better now? Don't you like that better to do life this way? And, and they're like, yeah, actually I do. It's really nice to not be in trouble all the time. It's really nice to not have everybody yelling at me all the time. Boy, it's really nice to spend time with the rest of my family and be included in the, with the rest of my family. So so the ability to use coercion um, towards a good end is not a bad thing. It's something that families have been doing from time immemorial and... Um, and really, that's kind of the, I mean, we bring them to a place where repentance can happen. We bring them to a place where, where they can be invited back into the family and, and, and everything's back into a normalcy. That's what we're looking for is, is golly, what, what can we, how can we help these people reconnect to their humanity and find that, that dignity, that, that vacation at the beach, that nice holiday with family, enjoying mm-hmm. time together. It's so important. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've just seen so many of, so, so much of the time, uh, you know, the, the five bucks that the guy's asking for with the, with the cardboard sign or whatever you got in your pocket or, or a little spare change, you know, whatever that you have, um, <clears throat> that's his, that's, that's what he really wants in the transaction because she doesn't want to let you get close enough to actually become vulnerable to you. And, and for you, that feels like a good deal in that moment because you're not sure you want to take the risk of getting vulnerable and close to them. So, so we, we settle for this lesser transaction as mm-hmm. opposed to community, which is what really needs to happen. If I'm ever going to help this person, then what I need to do is I need to learn about them. I need to care for them. I need to I need to teach them fi- to fish th- rather than hand them one, and and that mm-hmm. takes time mm-hmm. and relationship and and failing at fishing several times maybe before you actually become successful at it. You know that means your your back cast using the fishing metaphor has to get caught up in the trees a few times and you you know and and, and everything before you finally figure out how to get the the. Uh, line in front of the fish and uh, all of that. If we were going to just continue to use the the mud pie versus the holiday at the beach kind of metaphor analogy, what is the guy, and we're we're talking about not just the rescue mission, but the condition of homelessness where a man would settle for, I need some money to get, I need to buy what I need. Now, whether it's legitimate food or something to be abused, he's exercising a set of skills to sure. get it, right? Yeah. So he's an active entrepreneur on the side of the street, and yep. he's exercising certain gifts in a community, yeah. and he's he's going to continue doing so to the degree that he's successful at it, right? Right. I right. got this goal, I, and, and here's my intention. Yeah. And so when you beg, if you get a, a handout, then you've been successful. So sure. that, that's the completion of a You're skill learning set. some sales skills, if nothing else. Yeah. So in some ways, he's able to work. That's yep. a work ethic. Yep. And he probably is being selective about where's the best intersection to go. Where do I get the best handouts? You know, sometimes what, we fight over those things. Yeah. yeah. 
how do, how do I dress? Do I dress down to look like I'm in more in need? It's just interesting when we think about he's exercising some a skill set to achieve his goal. Yeah. And but he's choosing the mud pies, right? Yeah. He's choosing to be isolated. Is he is he respected for his work by other members of the community that interact with him economically? Right. Like good job. You know, you, you beg really well. I would say no. I would yeah. say that he's yeah. settling for isolation. I just want the money. I don't want the relationship. Yeah. And this is why homelessness is really a broken relational problem. Because ideally, what if he used his entrepreneurial spirit yeah. to beg? And he applied that to sales yeah. or, you know, put some charm into retail. So go into the store outside of which you're begging, serve at the counter, yeah. you know, be really sweet to, to the customers so that they've had a good shopping experience. Yeah. The company's uh, uh, resources go up in terms yeah. of, you know, public relations yeah. because he's an asset. And those things, if we settle for it, it's just easy to get my money yeah. by begging. Yeah. Then what's missing is the dignity piece where he's affirmed for his skill right. and his personality and his human worth. And that's where, you know, to be included in the, the economy, the interactions of a community, and so that he can actually, he's not just an agent to be used for financial gain. He, he's, he's a valuable part of it. And his concerns are the concerns of those around him. If this guy worked inside that building... And he got to know the other employees, and then he had a problem. He would receive their attention and care for that problem, ideally. Once sure. again, you know, anytime sure. we talk about the holiday at the beach, yeah. there's a certain element of idealism. Yeah. But when we look at the guy in the, the slums with the mud pie, yeah. they're settling way too low. Yeah. And I, I would say that any when you showed the footage of uh, a car passing that homeless camp, a lot of times, where, where's the dignity of... Personal property, personal space, personal contribution. Right. A lot of times people just throw their stuff and then they walk away and they leave their pile of trash. Right. In a community that cares for one another, they clean up for those who can't clean up. Yeah. They respect the space of the other person and they don't throw their trash over there. And we don't see that in a homeless camp because nobody owns it. It's nobody's business. Therefore, it's no one's responsibility. Right. Um, the beggar has no personal responsibility for the space that he's at while he's begging. That's public space. Right. And so oftentimes those don't get cleaned up either. And, well, and what, what it, it gets thrown back on the taxpayer, the, the, the rest of society who is doing society right, you know, who, who are socially engaging appropriately, but now they are being forced to clean up after the delinquency of, of somebody else, somebody else who decides that they're not going to contribute to the community. Um, and in fact, they're going to basically display their disdain for the community by just dumping trash and using the, you know, the, uh, Going to the bathroom outside, you know, throwing their drug needles outside, you know, breaking beer bottles, gr vandalizing, all that kind of stuff that goes on. Um, the community at large who doesn't hate these people, do doesn't hate them. Doesn't know them. Just really. doesn't know them enough to hate them. But knows this, that that same park that they're sleeping in is really was designed for me and my kids to go to, for me and my family to enjoy. And we'd still like to do that. So that means if nobody else is going to clean it up, I guess we got to go down and clean it up. And that's really, and, and all it does is just creates this tension 
there that, well, why should I have to clean up after you? And like a family member, if it was a family member, we would say, this is not okay. And we would begin to use some form of, of um, leverage on that person to say, no, you have to clean up after yourself. You have to clean up after yourself as part of our family. And, um, and we'd make that happen, and their life would be better because of it. That's the thing that I think is, is, is lost. It takes a lot of work to be a family. It takes a lot of work to have good community. Um, mm-hmm. Grants Pass, Oregon is small enough and, um, and just unique enough that, I mean, I feel like here is a great place to model, you know, kind of that community thing. And, and I think that Grants Pass does that really well. I mean, that's why the Gospel Rescue Mission exists here in Grants Pass is because they go, you guys are doing it well. You guys are teaching the thing that represents our values to this group of people. Keep doing what you're doing, and we'll make sure that you're provided for to help do that portion of what we're doing. Because we all still have to pay for our own families and provide for our own families in, in, in certain ways. Um, but there's a place that we can go where our values are shared uh, with these people, this group of, of society that's kind of fallen out. And uh, so, well, John, I really appreciate the conversation this morning. And, um, and I hope that you, if you're listening uh, this morning, have enjoyed that as well. Um, if somebody wanted to volunteer at the Gospel Rescue Mission, you said, said well, you know what? I'm interested in, in being part of what you do there. I, I think you've seen our little volunteer promo. You can check us out at grantspassmission.org. Uh, and then I think it's just forward slash volunteer. You can look and see uh, what what kinds of needs we have. Um, and, uh, and again, I just wanted to thank you for your time this morning. Thank you for, for showing, uh, showing up bright and early to come here on a Monday on this Martin Luther King Day where we still believe that a man should be judged by the content of his character and not by the color of their skin. Um, and uh, so we really think that. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. All right. So now uh, next coming up is the flip of the script as I'm going to get interviewed by my good friend Janet Capetti from Take 5 Training. Hi, I'm Janet with Take 5 Training, and I'm here with Brian Boteller of the Gospel Rescue Mission. The Gospel Rescue Mission recently went through the Take 5 Training, and so, Brian, I'd I'd like to hear a little bit about your thoughts. Was it helpful, and what has transpired since? Well, first of all, thanks for for inviting us and and to taking this training. It was so good. Um, My staff was really at a spot where we were just finding ourselves always recruiting but never keeping the volunteers that we were getting. And um, so we were able to take your volunteer training um, back in, I want to say it was August of of this, of 2021. And um, first of all, they thoroughly enjoyed it. We, We loved the team effort that it creates and the kind of the team atmosphere that it creates. But, but not only that, 
we, we walked away, we kept meeting back and going, okay, how are we going to employ what we learned? And what, how are we going to employ what we, what we learned at the class? And, and so, um, what happened is we began making phone calls and, and actually doing the kind of the recruitment calls and everything. And we were able to, inside of about two months, bring on about 15 new volunteers, um, of which I would say currently there's about 12 of them that are still volunteering with us. So here we are in December. So that's, that's, that's some, some months later. Um, and in addition to that, uh, one of those volunteers uh, was so excited about volunteering and was enjoying our experience so much with us that uh, we, we were really able to recognize what we really have here as an employee. Um, oh, so it's a great way to kind of pre-screen employees in a sense. You know, you, you, you get to see these people come on and um, and see how they work. And they're willing, they're already telling you we're willing to work for free because um, we really believe in your organization. But along the way, we were kind of like, well, you know, what if we wanted to pay you for this? And, and we, we decided we just didn't want to be without her. So um, it was really fantastic. Oh, great so it did, it did a great thing for us. We really enjoyed it. Um, it's been impactful. And I think that we've really kind of turned a corner in the way we deal with, in, in our culture of dealing with, with volunteers here at the Rock, or at the Gospel Rescue Mission, excuse me. Well, and the Rock, because what you've done actually carries over into what you're doing at well, the Rock, okay, since you so, that yeah, as well. Actually, you're, you're exactly right, and this is a good add-on. So I'm also the, director, uh, the executive director for the Rock Food Pantry, and we just uh, just got done adding about 80% of our work is done by volunteers anyways. And we just got through with a, our busiest week, and um, our busiest week of the year, and we had probably 18 young people coming to volunteer uh, and who just had a wonderful experience with us. And we really enjoyed, you know, help getting them involved in volunteering, teaching these young people what it is to volunteer. They had a great experience. I'm hoping that we'll do more of that as time goes on. That's great. So you did something really unique when we did the training here. You invited some of your nonprofit partners into the training, yeah. which added a, a nice dynamic because we could see certainly some differences among the, your organizations, but what we really saw is the similarities and that you all deal with exactly the same challenges related to volunteers. And so it was sort of a, a fun way to share with each other. It really was an add to that, that you, you just get this feeling like you're alone sometimes, like you're the only one struggling with this. And you get to watch these other organizations who are fantastic. They've got great purpose and they're, what they're doing is so great. And you can't imagine that they are struggling the same way you are. And all of a sudden, here we are together and we're kind of commiserating, but we're also learning together and we're learning off of each other along the way. The synergy was just fantastic. That's so, great. Yeah. That's great to hear. And hopefully it won't be long before you're starting to see an effect on your bottom line because now you've added some volunteers who now can become 
hopefully future donors, potential donors, it's already happening. and their families. It's already happening. It's already happening. Oh, great. It's already happening. So we already have, you know, we already have many of those volunteers have become donors. They're, they're big supporters of what we do. More importantly, as they go out into the community and they're telling the story of who we are as a gospel rescue mission or as a rock food pantry, um, they're telling the story right and from a positive experience, and yeah. that's really important. Um, you know, negative people t- share negative stories, and it becomes really negative. Um, these people are just, they're fans, and that's great. You know, that's the kind of people you want talking about your organization. That's great. So, Brian, having gone through the training, yeah. if there are other organizations out there, whether they be nonprofits or even municipalities, who are considering taking this training, what would, what would you tell them? What would be your advice? I tell them, uh, A, uh, stop wasting time. You know, just get in and get in and call Janet. You know, I would say that, um, the, the fact that you're overwhelmed, um, right now and, and really are having a hard time finding the time is in fact the very symptom that's telling you, you need to take five. You need to stop, gather your group together, Take this kind of training because what happens is as volunteers come in, as you reinvigorate your volunteer base into into your group, suddenly they're taking on the tasks that you've been doing because you're just trying to fill in gaps instead of doing your job, you know, which you'd love to be able to focus on, but you got to run to the post office or you got to do, you know, you got to, you got to stuff envelopes or you got to do this, whatever it is that you're doing because you don't have enough volunteers. This is a great thing to do. You're going to make friends because of this. You're going to uh, you're going to affect your bottom line because of this. You are going to create a fan base because of this, and all because what you've done is you've just learned how to engage with people properly. And even though you think you know, and you probably do, it's just going to remind you and reinforce those best practices that um, that you maybe weren't thinking of in relationship to volunteers. Uh, now you are. And it's certainly been a benefit for me. If anybody wants to find out you know, more about what I think about it or, or get to see how we implement it at the Gospel Rescue Mission, uh, certainly contact us and we'd be more than happy to just show them. You know, this is Great. the results. Yeah. Well, thank you for being such a model organization oh, <laughs> of Take 5 training. You bet. Thank you, Brian. Uh-huh. All right. Well, you know, Janice, a great gal. Sure appreciate her. Um, Today, we are talking about Brian's books. I love it. The sound effect, at least it's not going wah, 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 wah. So I've got Eric and Greg having a lot of fun with this, and uh, I don't know if you can see Eric and Greg there. Uh, Eric, these guys are the these guys are the real magic behind what what goes on here. Um, today's book review is still we're sticking with this month. In fact, I think we're going to stick with the tragedy of American compassion by Marvin Alasky. I'm telling you, if you're a reader and you want to gain uh, just some real 
insights into what has been done and what we should do regarding dealing with homelessness and poverty in America. This is a great book, and um, it's it's a real education. Um, it says uh, here the tragedy of this is this comes from uh, Charles Colson. He says uh, Charles Colson, famous for our uh, for prison fellowship um, and and maybe Watergate, um, but fantastic. God rest his soul. Uh, Charles Colson said, we are, bringing, we are indebted to Alaska for bringing past lessons of history to bear on a present cultural crisis. Another great work by one of today's foremost thinkers, um, and I would wholeheartedly agree with Chuck on that point. Um, the, in this book, Marvin Alasky offers a detailed history of the differing approaches to solving problems of poverty that have been tried in America for over the last 300 years. Uh, He shows what has worked along with what hasn't and everything in between and shares the wisdom needed to help guide our current and our future efforts. If you want to make a difference in the lives of the poor and the needy in your community, I cannot recommend this book enough. It's really a great place to start. We'll be placing a link to the book in the show notes directly after the show. Um, I wholeheartedly recommend The Tragedy of American Compassion by Marvin Olasky. Um, And if you're not a reader, you really should be. You're going to find out that every week I will throw up some kind of a book here for us to uh, share, to read, things that have uh, spent uh, that has worked in my mind to help think, help me think and formulate my thoughts and help direct us in our work here at the Gospel Rescue Mission as well. Um, I, so definitely want to stay in tune for all of that. Hey, let me give you some final thoughts. Um, you know, this idea of, of relationship that John had brought up and, um, and really that is key to everything that we do here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. Jesus said, um, when he was asked, what were the, what was the greatest commandments? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, the second one is just like it. It's love your neighbor as yourself. Now, he's quoting right there from Leviticus chapter 19. And, um, and in that, in Leviticus chapter 19, there's this idea of what does that look like to love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the ways that it tells uh, the Israelites to, to love your neighbor as yourself was when you, when you grow uh, crops, when you grow crops, that you don't harvest everything, but that you leave some for the poor to come and get and and harvest for themselves. Um, that this was part of what it meant to love your neighbor as yourself. That was kind of the summary of the particular section in Leviticus 19 that Jesus is quoting. Okay, and and um, and what that means is that, um, at least my takeaway from it is that we don't. Just give it. He could have said, "Harvest everything and give a portion of it to the poor." Um, instead, it's include in your work, in your workings, in your efforts, a way for the poor to take care of themselves. Um, I think that there's a 
a vast difference between giving everything away and versus letting the poor um, find dignity in work because work is what we've been designed to do. Um, when we were created, when God created us in the Garden of Eden, uh, he placed us in a garden for us to tend. It was the very first thing that we were that we were there to do. It was to tend the garden, name the animals, and it, it really take the chaos and create order and make it beautiful. And um, that's still our mandate. That's still our mandate from uh, the time that we left the garden, and even the time that uh, Noah. And uh, came out of the ark, and and his people. And he said, "You're going to still. You're going to go out, and you're going to till the soil. You're going to go out and tend the soil." Um, so uh, it's just going to be harder now because of our sin. So that's the case here today in how we deal with the poor in in our communities. It, it's harder. It's harder than we would imagine. It's hard work because um, because our sin is still plaguing us and, and perplexing us. But nonetheless, our job is to care for the poor. Um, our job is to, in our care for them, is to help them find dignity in their doings, in the way that they live their life. Um, and I would suggest that uh, there's really no dignity in fighting for somebody to live homelessly, um, that they are created for more, and so and so, as we argue in our communities for um, homeless camps and and more and more tent villages and stuff, I would say, boy, you, you, I think we're arguing for something that is beneath their dignity. Let's argue for something that lifts them up, that that where they're no longer dependent on us to give them handouts, but where they can develop a sense of independence and flourishing. And when we fight together for that, um, it's good for us as a community and it's good for them um, because they're no longer homeless, because then they'll become somewhere where they don't need just a handout, but that they have something to contribute into the family, into that dynamic of society again. And that's super important. So I hope that um, that, that comes through in our conversation. I hope that you understand that. Hey, next week, we're going to be talking about, do you want to stick around? Check, check us out next Monday, because we're going to be talking about um, our vacancy issues. What do we have? We have a lot of space. We're going to be showing our vacancy video. Um, Excuse me. You'll also, uh, we're going to be talking about what does our 30 day program look like. Uh, we'll have some resident interviews hopefully along that way as well. So you'll get to hear from some of the people who live here. Um, but if you're confused about how the mission works, uh, you know, I get it. If you're just on the outside looking in, it may sound a little confusing. We're going to bring some clarity to that whole thing, discuss what does a 30 day stay look like at the Gospel Rescue Mission, and how long can somebody stay? Can they stay less? Can they stay longer? All that kind of stuff. You'll want to check in next week. Thank you for spending time with me this morning. I sure appreciate you. I sure, sure hope that you have a great day off if you've got the day off. And, uh, and thank you for taking the time to come visit us here on Mission Live. Have a great week.